If you're loving Jesus, you can sit down. If not, stand up so I know who you are. <laughs> Come on. I'm going to have a good time tonight, whether you do or not. I always love preaching to you people. I tell you, it's amazing. Uh, we're living in such a crucial time. Come on now. We sure are. And I, I asked God for a word for this year, so he gave me one. Next year, I'm going to ask him for two. <laughs> I said, Lord, what's the word for the year? He said, growth. And he, and he gave me Second Peter 3, 18, that we're to grow in the grace and the knowledge of God. All growth comes from the grace of God. Understand, your faith is in the grace of God. Faith is our response to God's ability. Grace is God's ability. Come on. Understand that. It's just like, you know, there's a lot of misteaching about grace. Grace... Grace is not, you know, when you sin, you need mercy. To keep from sinning, you need grace. Come on now. You know, grace doesn't mean you can do whatever you want. Grace is the ability to do what he wants. Because it's God's ability on the inside of us, praise God. I want to talk tonight, right before I get into it, God began to deal with me about uh, about 10 days ago. He began to tell me everywhere you go, go, have people begin to say, say these words. And the reason that thing hit me was 20 some odd years ago, God told me six months before a major event to begin to tell every church I went to to begin to proclaim the wall will fall, the wall will fall. The wall will fall. Now, I had no idea what the wall was. I just knew God said, tell the people. In fact, many of the churches I oversee, they had banners on their church. The wall will fall. The wall will fall. And six months later, the Berlin Wall came down. And, you know, I thought it was very key. Right now, God, you know, about 10 days ago, he said, everywhere you go, I want you to get the people saying, I see revival. I see revival. I see revival. Why? You know, just keep saying, I see revival. Come on now. Because you're going to see revival. So you might as well start saying it. Come on now. I see revival. Even if you don't see it yet, you keep saying you're going to see it. You're going to begin to look for it because the greatest revival the world's ever known is coming. And one of the things that God really began to deal with me on tonight is I'm going to talk. I'm I'm here to, to get your hopes up. Come on now. Literally, to get your hopes up. I've been accused of that, so I might as well do it. He said, you're always trying to get people's hopes up. I said, absolutely. Come on now. You know, I, I want you to become prisoners of hope. Zechariah 9.12 says that return to the stronghold, old prisoners of hope. Prisoners of positive expectations. Come on. Amen. Prisoners of positive expectations. It reminds me of a story about, about a uh, uh, parents had two kids and they were they were really concerned about both of them one was super negative one was super positive and they thought the one that was negative was always murmuring and complaining they knew that was bad but they thought the one that was positive you know he couldn't you know you can't be positive about everything is what they thought so they fi- they figured they would fix it so they they filled the negative kids room with toys all these brand new toys and, you know, the, surely the kid would be happy. He looks into the room, walks into it. They, they close the door. They come back 30 minutes later. He's not playing with anything. He's in, the, he's in the corner with a frown on his face. And he starts yelling at his parents and said, 
How dare you, mama? How dare you, daddy? With all these toys, you've put me under so much stress. I don't know which one to play with. Now I need counseling. You've destroyed my life. The parents said, that's ridiculous. Then they opened up the other, the one that was super positive. They filled his room full of manure, saying, surely he would complain. They open up the door. He's throwing the manure up in the air, having a good old time. <laughs> Thank you, Mama. Thank you, Daddy. And they say, Son, what is wrong with you? <laughs> he said, With all this manure in here, there's got to be a pony somewhere. Come on now. <laughs> and I found out something. When, you have, when you're full of hope, you're always looking for the pony. You're always looking for the pony. And what I found out something about God is if you believe hard enough, he'll get the pony there. Somehow he'll get it there. Come on now. Dear, see, God, God is, there's nothing negative in God. Negatives are developed in Satan's dark room. You cannot walk in the light and be negative. You can't. It's impossibility. Every time you're negative, you're walking in darkness. All the promises of God are yes and amen. Second Corinthians one twenty says that. God's a God of faith. You'll never hear him say anything but victory. Come on now. See, Proverbs 13.12 says hope deferred makes the heart sick. One of the reasons I've been preaching on hope is I heard Bobby Jendel at prayer breakfast. He, he said the only hope for America is revival. And I agree with that. There's no hope in the Republicans. There's no hope in the Democrats. There's no hope in this system. The only hope we have is in God. And unless God changes the hearts of this nation, there's no hope for this nation. So the only hope we have is revival. Come on now. You know, we got to stop looking for the natural to do what only God can do. Now participate, vote, but don't look at that as the answer. Because honestly, even if we had the quote unquote the right people, they wouldn't, if the hearts aren't right, who cares what the, which people you have? Doesn't make a difference at all. <coughs> Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Well, you, know, I, when, you know what amazed me is when I, being a faith person, I used to say things and people get so upset. You say, you shouldn't say that. You're a faith person. But I told them, I said, you know, one of these days, God's not going to do what you think he should do when you think he should do it. One of these days, life will not make sense to you. Period. And if you're in it only for what God does, you will not be in it. If you're in it for who God is... You'll go through the tough times with God and sometimes not even understand, just trusting. Come on now. See, I, I found that out. You know, we have got to understand our hope is in Him, praise God. And it's, you know, desire fulfilled is a tree of life. I like the second half of that a whole lot better. But the thing about hope is hope is the anchor to your emotions. It's the anchor to your soul. That's Hebrews six nineteen. What does God do? What is hope? Hope is a picture. Understand that. Hope is a picture. It's not hope that's seen is not hope is what the scripture says. Hope is an unseen picture of something better than what you have right now. You, you know, faith calls things that are not yet here. What, what's faith calling? Hope. God gives you a picture. I like to say faith is the substance of things hoped for. 
So faith, that's Hebrews 11, 1. But faith is the substance. Hope is like the jello mold, and faith is the jello. Without the mold, there's no, there's no form to, for your faith to go to. So what God does is he first gives you a picture and he says, now fill it with substance. Keep filling it with faith until everyone else can see what you see, until it's manifested here on earth. Come on now. Keep filling it. Keep filling it. Keep filling it. God will give you a picture of health while you're battling sickness. He'll give you a, a picture of wealth while you're in poverty. He will give it. Come on. He changes the picture on the inside to change the reality on the outside. And what hope is, hope anchors your emotions when the outside, the outside looks like it's crumbling, but the inside you still have the picture. And that picture, when you're holding on to the picture, it holds you in, your emotions in place. And when the hope is from God, it's in the Holy of Holies. It goes beyond the veil, Hebrews 6 says. It's a holy thing. So what I found out is God wants to restore hope, just like he wants you to embrace him. He doesn't want you to embrace the move of God. He wants you to embrace the God of the move. Because if you embrace the move of God, when he stops moving that way, you're you're not going to be with him anymore. But if you embrace the God of the move, you'll never miss a move of God. Come on, you'll stay current. You know, it's not about formula. It's about relationship. Babies drink formula adults have a relationship come on somebody see does this make sense see hope is the happy confident anticipation that something good is going to happen hope sustains you through your darkest times it's the fuel you need to realize your dreams hope is one of the three things that always remain you know first corinthians 13 13 these three remain Hope, faith, and love. And the greatest is love, but guess what? None of them work without the other. Have you ever noticed something? We've had a ton of preaching about love. Need more. We've had a ton of preaching about faith. Need more. Have not had much preaching about hope. And be honest, none of them work independently. You lose hope, there's no way you can walk in love. The moment you lose hope, you become selfish. It's all about you. Come on. You become the victim and you want, look at me, look at me, feel sorry for me. You know why? You lost hope. Come on. And faith honestly works by love. But faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if you don't have hope, you can't have faith because it's the, what you're, basically the faith is filling. So they all work together. These three remain together. You can't separate it. What God's trying to do is he's trying to get the hopes back up in the church. He said, if I can just get your expectation, he said, I cannot do anything beyond your hope level. I can't. You set the ceiling by your hopes. Come on. 
And many people are trapped because, you know, there was a time in this nation where the young people, this is the first generation they tell us that the, that the, the young people do not have hope that they're going to be better off than their parents. This is the first generation. And God's going to change that. Come on. I believe he's going to change the best for last. Come on. I believe he's going to turn it. He's going to revive it. He's going to breathe on it. And I believe this last, I believe the young people of this generation are the most outstanding ever. Come on now. Hallelujah. I believe that they're going, they're going to change the world, and I'm going to be along with them. I just like hanging with young people. I get around my people, and they, they all want to retire. So I always try to hang with young people. I, I, you know, <laughs> you know, I may not be. I, I'm just as young on the inside as they are. Yeah. <laughs> I decided a long time I'm never going to grow up because grow up, grown ups are boring. <laughs> Come on, does this make sense? See, when there's no hope in the natural, there's always hope in the spiritual. One of the things that we saw, you know, recently is. Several years ago, I prophesied over this, these two little boys, and it was a cute little prophecy. You know, I didn't realize how important it was. Little Samuel was two at the time. His brother Caleb was five at the time. And I prophesied that they would grow old together. They would always be best friends. It was a cute thing. They'd be covenant brothers. Always have a special relationship. One month later, little Samuel was diagnosed with the rarest form of childhood leukemia there is. Parents came in and the the doctors told them there has been no known remission of this form of cancer. They said, we can give you absolutely no hope. No hope. They said, we're not only telling you that your son is not going to be live out his days we're telling you he's not going to be any better than he is today just going to get worse that's the worst nightmare for a parent and they told me they said Woody we knew the word we knew that by the stripes of Jesus he was already the healed we knew it was God's will they surely he bore all sickness all diseases come on now we knew that the benefits that he healeth all our diseases he said we knew he's the Lord that healeth us but he said we needed that prophecy you gave because I saw them growing old together I saw them growing up and growing closer and closer and closer and they said I remember when the doctor said that we decided whose report we would believe and we, you know, and I tell, I say, I remind God, I said, God, not only did you say in your word, but you told me through the prophet that they're going to grow old together. And Lord, you said to fight a good fight according to warfare, according to the prophecies made over us. And we're holding on to that. And one of the reasons I'm sharing that today is a few months ago, I got the best news. You know, for about five years, every single month, they would take him, take little Samuel to the Pittsburgh Cancer Center and drain out all his blood, keep him alive artificially, put new blood in his body. Every time they did that, they told him that, that he would, wouldn't survive, and he did. He did the Make-A-Wish Foundation went to Disney World. They say he wouldn't survive that. He did. But three years ago, they began taking blood samples, and it was normal. 
so they couldn't drain they, they decided not to drain the blood but you know so that he was the first one written up in the American Journal of Medicine to ever have a remission of that form of cancer but at the end of three years it's no longer considered remission it's considered cancer free and it's been, you know, two months ago, it was three years, and he was officially pronounced cancer-free. Now, God can pronounce it 2,000 years ago. Come on now. Come on. But, you know, they finally agreed. Come on. But see, it was hope that kept them. How many people are saying your hopes will keep you? You know, hope against hope, you believe in hope. See, a life without hope is not much of a life. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. You'll never have abundant life without high hopes. You know, my grandma, you know, my wife's grandma, Harris, died at age 97. She was such a survivor. She, she beat breast cancer at age 40. And back in those days, nobody survived. And, you know, but ever since, you know, when I first got married to my wife, every year she'd go to doctors and doctors give her a bad report. Like, this is it. And we knew, we knew how to get a miracle. We would schedule a family reunion. Because she, she would never want to miss a family reunion. Once she found out there was a family reunion, the fight got back in her. Come on now. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. And she'd make a miraculous recovery every year. Come on. See, it's really hard to kill a person full of hope. When you have a reason to live, it's hard to die. Come on now. Do you hear what I'm saying? And God wants to fill you with such hope. And let's go to Romans 15, 13. I hope you're enjoying this. I hope you're enjoying this tonight. You know, people say, hey. I'm gonna be a. Ha- I say I'm a happy preacher. I don't know about sad preachers. Have you ever been around Sadducees? Yeah. You know, Sadducees are those who lost sight of the resurrection, so they don't believe they have a victory. Oh, Half the churches are Sadducees. <laughs> I, you know, I'm a, I just I got a happy pappy. God sits in heaven and laughs. Heathen rage. I'd much rather be more like heaven than heathen. Come on now. If you don't believe God has a good sense of humor, look to the right, you look to the left, you look in the mirror. You're all funny. Come on now. And if you can't laugh at yourself, you got a problem. Because you are funny. <laughs> Romans fifteen thirteen. It says, now may the God of hope. I love that. He's the God of hope. Fill you with all joy. All joy. All joy, the God of hope. See, when you get, you start off with the hope, you can be filled with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power. See, God wants your hope to go beyond where it's ever been. He wants you to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on now. I don't know about you. I'm ready. Hope is the catalyst that sparks ideas, sparks imaginations. Hope is the ability to see beyond Come on now. I mean, you get around people like that. I love visionaries. Why? Because they're always full of hope. They're not stuck in what is. The Bible says, hope against hope, we believe in hope. The verse before saying, calling things that are not as though they are. Calling things that are not. See, that's what faith, faith does. Faith calls hope. Faith calls hope. 
Faith calls it forth. Faith calls it forth. I hope, I hope, I hope God shows you a better picture and say, hey, hey, I'm filling it with my faith. I'm calling it forth. I'm calling it forth. I see that building. I, I see, come on, I see my healing. I see my health. I see my family saved. I see them serving God. I see the revival among the youth. I see it. And you keep, ha. Ah. <laughs> People think you're crazy until you're living it. Amen. I'd much rather be happy and crazy than normal and sad. <laughs> I got a little, my little happy place I always live in. People say, why do you live there? Because I, don't, I, I live in an alternate reality. <laughs> I bring heaven to earth. That's living in an alternate reality. Come on now. See, if you say, oh, you got your heads up in the clouds. I say, uh-huh. Me, I'm even seated there. <laughs> You never can move a mountain you're not looking down at. You got to exalt your position above your condition. Okay, that will preach. Let's go to Proverbs 23. See, people, people don't understand. You already got the victory. We're not trying to get victory. We're not even trying to get God to heal us. We're already healed. We're not trying to get God to bless us. He's already blessed us. All we're trying to do is to believe what he's already done. We're talking about inheritance. That means it's finished. Come on. You live off your earnings, you live poor. You live off your inheritance, you live rich. <laughs> Proverbs twenty three seventeen. I ask us, God, how come people aren't full of hope? He said, because they're not fearing me. See, when you don't reverence God, it's hard to have hope. Proverbs 23, verse 17 says, Do not let your heart envy sinners. But live in the fear of the Lord always. Surely there's a future and your hope will not be cut off. Your hope is tied to the fear of God. When people don't reverence God, they can't have hope because he's the God of hope. You know, the fear of God is missing in America. It's missing many times in the church. People don't respect God. If they don't respect God, they can't have hope because he's the God of hope. And part of that hope comes when you respect him, it's transferred. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. This okay? It better be, it's what I got. <laughs> but Romans 5 1, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. So, you know, if, I always say if you want, I give people enough scripture so that they don't argue with me, they just argue with God. <laughs> I didn't say it, I'm just repeating it. <laughs> you know. If I say anything original, don't listen to me. The only thing I see original in Scripture was sin. <laughs> Usually when I hear original from behind the pulpit, it's sin too. <laughs> Romans 5.1. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into the grace in which we stand, and we exalt in hope, in the hope of the glory of God. I love that. I love exalting the hope of the glory of God. Then it goes on to say, and not only this, we also exalt in tribulations. You know, when you're full of hope, you, people don't know when you're going through stuff. You know, I'm, you know, people will tell me all the time, they say, well, you, you don't ever look like you're ever going through anything. I say, well, that does, that's not the fact. The fact is, 
I'm the same. I'm happy in the midst of trials as much as I'm happy when there is no trials. Why? Because my happiness and my joy is not based on circumstance. In fact, honestly, what I found out is when you when hope is taking its full effect, it gives way to proven character. We'll find out later on in this verse. And proven character basically means you're always the, you're the same. You're the same. You know, very rarely, my wife sometimes knows things, but very rarely does anyone else know. And I'm not trying to fake it. That's just who I am. Why? Because the internal reality is greater than the external reality. Come on now. I'm always victorious. I'm always, you know. God told me years ago, he said, you can worry when I do. <laughs> there are times I run. I say, you worried yet, Lord? <laughs> My flesh really wants him to worry because I want to worry, but he won't let me do it. He said, not only this, but we also glory and exalt in our tribulation, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance or patience, and patience proven character. See, see, a lot of people, they are characters, they just don't have proven character. (laughs) Come on now, you know? He says it gives way proven character and proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. And God began to show me this. He said, you know, that's a big thing. I said, why are people so lacking hope? He said, because they're disappointed. Hope doesn't disappoint. Well, when you lack hope, you live disappointed. And see what happens. How many of you understand disappointment will, will come to everyone? It's a huge thing. First, First Peter 2, 6 says, those who trust in the Lord shall not be disappointed. The last verse, I believe it's Romans 9.33, says those who trust in the Lord shall not be disappointed. Romans 10.13 said, or 10.11 said they trusted in the Lord, they were not disappointed. Psalm 22 verse 5 said they, the children of Israel were in distress, they cried out to God, they trusted in Him, and they were not disappointed. Every time you're disappointed, it's because you're not trusting. Because if you were trusting, you wouldn't be disappointed. You have to be in the flesh to be disappointed. There is no disappointment in the spirit. And disappointment will try to attach itself to every one of us. There are times life doesn't make sense and you can be disappointed. You hear what I'm saying? You you want to see one of the greatest areas of scripture? Think about Martha and Mary. You talk about disappointment. Lazarus is at the point of death in John chapter 11. They send a servant to Jesus and say, will he live? Jesus said, and it's in red letters, this sickness is not unto death. It's in red letters. Then he stays there three more days, and Lazarus dies. Now they have a problem. Jesus said, this is not unto death, and yet Lazarus is dead. Come on. There are times we have contradictions in life that don't make sense. In fact, Jesus didn't, if Jesus came early, he would have had to heal him because he healed everyone. He didn't want to reveal himself as the healer. We know he came to reveal himself as the resurrection. They didn't know that. All they knew is something's not right here. That's when disappointment comes in. 
And when Jesus comes, the first thing he tries to do is get them to trust him again. I am the resurrection. I am the life. They say, oh, well, we know one day he'll be resurrected. And both the sisters have been talking because they both had the same story when they saw Jesus individually. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. They both said that. We could say, Lord, if you'd been here, my marriage wouldn't have failed. My business wouldn't have failed. If you had been here, come on. If you had been here, my child wouldn't have died. If you had been here. What did Jesus say? Where have you laid him? What he was saying, basically, where did you stop believing? Where's the place you lost hope? Take me to the place where you lost hope. And even tonight, God wants to take you back to the place where you lost hope because he wants to resurrect something. Come on now. He said, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. If you believe, you'll see the glory of God. Come on. And he called forth Lazarus. Many of you, he's going to resurrect hope in you tonight. Come on. See what? If you believe God works all things together for good, because you love him and you're called according to his purpose, you never be disappointed because you say, you will always say, this is going to work for me, not against me. This is what I do almost every day. Well, you know, every day, honestly, I hear miracles and every day I hear tragedies. Every day, because I'm dealing with thousands and thousands and thousands of people. You know, if I, if, if I had to base my life on emotions, I'd be up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. I'd have no joy half the time. I'd be a wreck. What I've learned is even when people come against me, I always say, God, this is going to work for me, not against me. Everything works for me. I don't know how you're going to turn this, but you work all things together for good. Even what the enemy meant for evil, you're going to work for, together for good. Several years ago, God told me to befriend a certain pastor in the Northeast, and there are very few people I don't like. <laughs> Have you ever been around the personality type? You just don't like them. You know, they just rub you the wrong way. And, you know, this guy, I mean, it was like, I am like street fighter, ball player, macho man, not touchy-feely at all. And he was like, light in the loafer, anyway. (laughs) He liked to cook. I like to eat, so I guess that was a pretty good combination, but... But God said, if you befriend him, and he had one of the largest churches in the area, he said, if you befriend him, I'll open up the church for you to preach at. So for 10 years, every time I was in the area, if I had a day free, I would take him out to eat. He always wanted to go to these foo-foo restaurants. You know, the ones you see a lot of plate and no food? (laughs) See, in me, a good restaurant, you don't ever see the plate. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> men understand that come on now forget about ambiance <laughs> so but anyway when we have conversations and for 10 years I said God talk to him he said I told you what to do then John Bevere was preaching at his church one time and I'd just taken him out the night before but there was a day session so I wasn't preaching until that night somewhere else I went to, to his church and he had to sit in the back, all the ministers. There were about 25 pastors and me. He said, 
All the ministers stand up. And he named every one of the other ministers. And he looks at me and says, I don't think I know you. It pushed my man button. Come on now. How many of you have ever been screaming? You're not saying anything on the outside, but you are screaming. You know, it's almost like I, I'm fed up with this. He thinks this is a big church. This is not a big church. I, I go to victory and victory. I, we have more volunteers than they have in this building. Hey! <laughs> Lord, I don't need this. <laughs> and you understand something. If you hear the voice of God, you'll hear two things constantly. I love you and shut up. <laughs> be quiet I heard God say hey, shh if you trust me you know what's sad is God even does it with me my wife does it with me she'll put on a CD that I've taught when I don't want to be doing it <laughs> you know, it's like, oh you know I mean I taught it it's right I know it's right but my flesh doesn't want to do it <laughs> Well, this time I heard the Lord say, you know, what have you been teaching? Those who trust you. I said, okay, God. I said, Lord, underneath my breath, I just said, Lord, this is going to work. I trust you to work this for my good. And, you know, the next time he looks at me again, he said, brother, who are you? And, you know, I wasn't offended anymore. I said, well, I'm with you, Woodson. He turned already. I, I couldn't see that far back. I don't have my contacts in. He said, I'm so sorry. He came running up to me after the service. And he said, when can you come preach for me? You know what God told me? He said, he would never have asked you to preach had he not embarrassed you publicly. And he said, had you not passed the test, he wouldn't have felt sorry. He felt conviction because your heart was right. Come on now. How many times do we close doors? Come on, close doors. You know, I ended up preaching at that church more than any other preacher. And, he, you, know, you know, and they had Rodney Howard Brown. They had, uh, uh, you know, one of his relatives was Joyce Meyer. So they had all the biggies, but they had me more than all the biggies. You know, when any time, and God opened the door. And I kept thinking, man, I'm so grateful I've learned to trust him. And some of you, honestly, you're going to have to lay a disappointment down and say, now I trust you, God. Now I trust you. Now I trust you. God, I don't, I don't even have to understand. I just trust you. I trust your goodness. I trust you're the healer. I trust you. I trust God. I trust in you. Come on now. Watch what God will do. Is that okay? Another thing that will destroy hope faster than anything is living in regret. Living in regret, if I hadn't done this, if I hadn't made this mistake, or if they hadn't done this, is it a blame or regret? But how many of you have ever just been beating on yourself for years? I had the Lord tell me one time, he said, if you had the same, if you had the same information you had today, you know, today that you had back then when you made the same decision, I said, yes. I was just angry I didn't have all the information. And then God began to show me Isaiah 43, verse 24. It says, God says, you weary me by keep bringing your sin up to me. He said, you're wearying me with your sin. Now, he wasn't talking about the fact that, that, that they were confessing at one time. They just kept coming, bringing it and bringing it and bringing it and bringing it. And why do you know that? Because verse 25 says, I am the Lord 
who has chosen to not only forgive, but forget your sin for my namesake. He said, I'm not even, I'm not even forgetting about it for your sake. I'm forgetting about it for my sake. Stop bringing it up. Stop bringing it up. The moment you confessed it, now you have to confess it. So I'm not one of those preachers who doesn't believe in repentance. Neither was Jesus. Because if he was, then there's something wrong about what he said to the churches. The five churches, he would say to repent. Don't ever question whether a Christian ever has to repent. That's stupid. (laughs) Sorry. But it's truth. I've had this discussion with some leading people that I love them, but dumb and dumber. (laughs) But the other side of the coin is you don't have to keep beating yourself once you confess it. The moment you confess it, God wipes the, 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 the thing clear. There's no record in heaven. You know, God told me years ago, you must never regret what I've chosen to forget. Why do you regret? Because you're, you're playing God. Why do you carry around dead works? Well, God wants to cleanse your conscience from the dead works and say you're totally free. The blood has set you free. Come on. Then he says in verse 26 in Isaiah 43, put me in remembrance. He said, the problem is you're reminding me of the things you should forget and you've forgotten to remind me of the things you should remember. Put me in remembrance. Tell me about my word. Come on now. That's where hope comes from. Hope comes from the promises of God. Put God in remembrance. Hey, do you know, you need to raise your level of expectation. If you believe you'll see the goodness of God, you won't ever live in despair. Come on. Oral Roberts, I loved Oral. He would always say, expect a miracle. Expect a miracle. Something good is going to happen to you. I, you know, I don't know about you. I'd much rather expect good because what you expect, you attract. Too many Christians have an Eeyore spirit from Winnie the Pooh, the little donkey. Nothing good ever happens to me. He'll build his little hut. There won't be any wind except for right where his hut is. It blows it down every time. Why? That's what he expects. <laughs> Come on. Hallelujah. Sam Walton, founder of Walmart, said high expectations are the key to everything. You know, even Jesus was moved by expectation. That's what faith is. The woman with the issue of blood, what did she, what did she kept saying to herself? I just touch. If I just touch the hem of his garment, had a picture. That's hope. Had a picture. If I just get there, if I just touch, if I reach out and touch it, I'm going to receive what I need to receive. If I just get there. You know, Jesus made house calls because of people's expectation. He was, he's going in one direction. He stopped there because someone said, hey, you come to my house, my daughter will be healed. He just left everything. Why? According to your faith. He constantly said, according to your expectation, so be it. According to your expectation, so be it. To be honest with you, every one of you is probably getting what you've been expecting. If you don't like what you have, change your expectation. (laughs) 
Okay, let's move on. <laughs> you gained something tonight. I hope you are. I mean, I hope you are. See, you know, I, I don't know about you. You know, when, when, when I, I was growing up, the first thing I hoped in was my family being saved. Acts 16.31 says, both me you and your household shall be saved. I was the first one saved in my family, and, and I, I didn't want any of them to go to hell. So I started putting my faith out there. I started filling up that, that, that container that my entire household would serve God. And I knew the key to my family was my dad. My dad was one of the leading attorneys in America. I called him a professional sewer. <laughs> he was a genius. He, he went to Princeton and Columbia Law, law School. Had, had, had a doctorate from Columbia Law School at age 18. My son is a genius too. Does skip a generation. I play a little baseball. <laughs> but the key to my family was my dad. Everyone has a key member. How many of you understand that? Some are matriarchal, some are patriarchal, but if there's one person, you get that one person saved, the whole family will follow. So I was praying for my dad especially. I prayed for the entire family, but especially my dad. And one day I got a phone call from my dad, and it wasn't the type of phone call I wanted. My dad never called me. This time he called me and he said, take a deep breath, your mom's committed suicide. For the first time in his life, he couldn't write a check and make the pain go away. It's hard, hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. So that was, that he had one strike against him. It's hard for an intellectual to enter the kingdom because faith is of the heart, it's not of the head. So he had actually two strikes against him, but for one time in his life, he could see his need. And he said, well, you preach your mom's funeral service. The first time I ever preached to adults was my mom's funeral service. My dad got radically saved, radically, radically saved. And 30 other people did. Then he said, I want to go to church with you. I didn't want to take him to church with me <laughs> because we were sort of charismatic. You know, I'm, I'm, we weren't sort of charismatic. We were wild. We were Pentecostal. We were, woo! We were the shakers. <laughs> I want him to go to a church that was sort of charismatic, you know, thumbs up. I want him to go to a church that had, you know, Cadillacs and, and, and Mercedes. We didn't have a parking lot. <laughs> we had a policeman for the three cars, so he'd still be there afterwards. <laughs> We had a guard dog that lived in the church. It really is true. It was right in the office. That's where they kept the money. And many times while you were preaching, you'd hear the dog barking. And then a thief broke in. And there was a chimney in that office. So the thief would be up the chimney. And we had to rescue the thief. It was called inner city ministry. I wanted the pastor to be Dr. So-and-so. But our pastor couldn't spell Dr. <laughs> He was from Italy. We had two services, one in Italian, one in English. They both sounded alike. <laughs> you know, there was Sister Chicken Walks. I mean, I pray. I was praying that night. Uh, my dad's going to church. So I said, Lord, my dad's going to church tomorrow. You haven't been moving in the gifts of the Spirit. Don't start tomorrow. <laughs> Tone it down. Come on now. I said, you know, Sister Chicken Walks. Every time that Holy Ghost hits that lady, she's everywhere. I said, Lord, there's a 24-hour virus going around. 
Don't kill her, but keep her away. Lord, you know the pastor's not very bright, but let him use more than one syllable words. Let him wax eloquent. I know he doesn't know what eloquent means, but let him wax it anyway. In Jesus' name, amen. If you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. He didn't hear a word I prayed that night. We're going to church early. On the way to church, my dad says, is this going to be a wild church like a Southern Baptist? I said, I sure hope so. But see, we were getting there early because how many of you understand almost everyone always sits in the same seats? Have you ever noticed that? I don't care how big the church is. You pick out your seat. Then you rub your scent in. That's why you get so upset when someone's seen in your church, in your seat in church, because you already marked it. And I've watched people, they walk, and someone's seen there, and they bend over like, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah. That's mine. Well, Sister Chickenwalk always sat in the middle, so I wanted to get there early, so we'd sit in the front so my dad wouldn't see what she did. So in the midst of that, everything was going good until the service started. <laughs> Sister Chickenwalk was late because of the moves she was going to do that day. She was doing some stretching exercises. So <laughs> she comes walking in. I'm sitting in the front with my dad. She walks right by her seat. It's open. She doesn't even sniff. She comes and gives me a hug as though I care. And so I, I feel led to sit with you today. Want to hit her with some lead. <laughs> so I'm in the middle. My dad's on one side. She's on the other side. All during worship, I got my thumbs up pretending I'm singing. But I'm really saying, make her stop. Make her stop. And the Holy Ghost hitting her. <laughs> and she's everywhere. And my dad's just staring. That morning, everyone had a tongue. Everyone had interpretation. Everyone had prophecy. Some real, some false. God wasn't speaking for months. He waited until my dad got there. Thought it couldn't get any worse, and three ushers jump on this little lady, cast a devil out of her. We never had deliverance till my daddy got there. By the time the preacher got up to preach, I stopped praying. It wasn't working. So I just crossed my fingers behind my back, said, eloquent, eloquent. Pastor said, you'll never forget my message. Never have. He said, today, church, I want to talk about being hairs of God. I want to put like silent H. He said, we are hairs of God. We are joint hairs with Christ. I was waiting for the split ends. He talked about living as clean hairs in the water of God's word. And I'm staring at my dad. Here's my dad, president of the Legal Bar Association, professor emeritus at Columbia Law School, recognized as one of the great medical, you know, legal minds in America, listening to hairs of God. <laughs> and the good news is I knew the service was about ready to end because he started crying, and it's, in their, it's really in their books. You can't preach unless you cry. That's why their woman don't wear makeup, I'm sure. 
<laughs> he said, sometimes a hair backslides. <laughs> this is serious, church. Are you one of God's missing hairs? <laughs> I say, he's got God going bald. That's all I can think about. <laughs> so a miracle's coming. Yeah, a miracle takes place. We, we're driving home and for 15 minutes, total silence. And my dad finally looks over at me and said, that was different. <laughs> I said, yes, sir, it was. He said, what's he preach on Wednesday night? I said, I said, you go. And he said, I wouldn't miss this for anything. <laughs> he said, you know, the pastor's not very bright. I said, yes, sir. He said, but there was a different spirit in the place. And then God said, when you're ashamed of your church, you're ashamed of your God. He said, it was good enough for you. Why didn't you think it was good enough for him? Then the Holy Spirit hit me. The Holy Spirit said something that changed me forever. He said, you're not ashamed of the Father. You're not ashamed of the Son. But when someone you cared about came, you asked me not to express myself. He said, son, if you ever do that again, I'll never express myself in your presence ever again. You can grieve the Holy Ghost. That's why I don't care. If I think it's the Holy Ghost, we allow it. If it might be the Holy Ghost, we allow it. Come on now. That's just where I am. Come on. I mean, I'm one of those guys. Hey, hey, I don't care if I offend everyone else. I won't offend him. I won't offend him. You know, the good news, my whole family came around. They're all serving God. Why? God gave me a hope. I filled it with faith. They're all, many of them are in ministry today. Does this make sense? Okay, how do you raise your expectation? I'm going to give you three quick things and then we're going to pray for you. Is this okay? Number one, you got to believe. Very simple, you got to believe. If you believe, you'll see the glory of God. If you don't believe, you won't see anything. You can't get your hopes up unless you start believing. You got to believe in the goodness of God. You have to believe God's for you, not against you. You have to believe you already got the victory. You have to believe what the will of God is. Read the will and believe it. Come on now. So you need to believe. Number two, you need to ask. Most people have not because they ask not. You know, many of us, when we ask, we ask amiss. I mean, I've got a car right now. I'm driving, and about a year, year and a half ago, I knew I needed to buy another car, and I pay everything by cash. And my budget at the time said Corolla. But my desire was not Corolla. And I'll never forget, my wife said, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'll probably go and just pay, pay cash for a Corolla. Nothing wrong with them. They're good cars. I had one that drove 400,000 miles. I used to drive it here. But, you know, at this time in my life, I thought, I really don't want a Corolla, but I'm going to, you know. And my wife said, what do you want? I said, I want a Camry, but my, my checkbook says Corolla. And, he's in the, and you know, my wife said, duh, why don't you ask whatever things you desire? I mean, how, how many of you ever remember having a Christmas present and you had to act like you liked it? <laughs> the worst gift I ever got was a step stool. <laughs> I, I, I was nine years old. And I, I, I was full grown by nine. I didn't need a step stool. Come on now. <laughs> And I had to act like I liked it because that's what my parents made me do. And God said, do you remember? He said, you, you, a lot of times you don't ask for what you want. You ask what you, for what you think I'll give you. 
So when you get it, you're not really thankful you got it. So I said, okay, Lord, I'd like to have a Camry, but, you know, I'm not, going, I'm not borrowing money. Just where I am. I went out to the dealership, and I'm looking at cars. I actually started looking at the Corollas and realized that's my price range. And the owner of the place, I didn't even know him. He came up to me and said, I don't know why I'm doing this. He said, do you want this car? I said, not really. He said, I don't know why I'm doing this. He said, I got a Camry XLE. And he said, I'll sell it to you for the same price. Brand new. And the, the one thing I always have to have is a sunroof, whatever you want to call that, because I, I always feel closed in. So I, I, if, no matter what I have, I'm going to cut a hole in the roof. If, it's, <laughs> if I ride with you any length of time, you're going to have a hole up there. <laughs> And I looked, and there was the sunroof. And, you know, when I get in that car every day, I'm so happy. I mean, you know, I know I know it's a gift from God. I know it's a gift from God. Why don't you ask him for what you want? Whatever things you desire, what do you hope for? God's not against you. You won't break the bank. So not only do you believe, not only do you ask, but last, last of all, you look. How many people understand the Bible says ask? Yeah. It says watch and pray. I honestly believe if you're not watching, you're not praying. Because if you're not expecting, if you haven't believed you received, you didn't do business with God. If you walk out of the prayer thing and you're not sure you got it, go back in until you know. Because <laughs> that's not prayer. I'm saying that that's not prayer. Go, go to the war room and realize, just get the promises down there. You can claim that stuff. Jeremiah 17, 5, one of my favorite verses, it says, those who trust in the flesh. It says, cursed are those who trust in the flesh. They can't see when prosperity comes. What I love about that, it says, blessed are the ones who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. But what I love about that is it shows that People who trust in the flesh, they can't. The miracles are constantly coming to you and by you. But because you're not expecting. When I was in high school, I, I played for a ninth grader. I made the varsity football team. I'll never forget it because we had not completed a pass in seven years. So I don't know why we called them receivers. That was a misnomer. So I looked at that. I was frustrated. I said, Coach, I can throw. He said, you can what? I said, I can throw the football. He had never seen that before, so I showed him. He said, wow, you can throw. you're the quarterback. My first game, I was one for 17. If you looked at the stat sheet, I stunk. The problem was I hit our receivers 15 times. I think the one I completed, I stuck in the helmet. <laughs> They never saw the ball before. They never expected the ball before. So they turn around and hit him in the hands of the other team with the intercept, hit him on the shoulder pad. And you know what God told me? He said, now you know how I feel. I'm always on target. And yet people can't, well, I don't know why God didn't do it. I was. I threw it to the place of faith. I threw it, but they weren't expecting it. So I kept answering their prayers, but they weren't in a position to receive the answer. Come on now. Let's get our expectation up. 
Your life will go only as high as the level of expectation. Don't believe that your history is your destiny. Come on now. And don't believe, don't assume that where you've been or where you are is as good as it gets. You put a limit. God says nothing's impossible to believe, but you, you put a limit by your expectation. I want every head bowed, no one looking around. It's the way we do in America. If you fall asleep, God give you a dream. <laughs> one way or another, we believe you're going to get ministered to. Come on. But I need to ask a question today. It's the most important question there is. You know, if you're not right with God, you can't have hope. He's the God of hope. And it's the goodness of God that even leads man back to repentance. The good news is Jesus paid the price for all your sin, all your failures, everything. He's not angry at you. All the wrath was laid up on Jesus. I mean, if you ever hear a sermon of sinners in the hands of an angry God, that's not biblical. Because the New Testament, Jesus literally was the Father's good pleasure to put all his wrath on Jesus. He paid, the, he paid the penalty for all the sin of the world, but you still have to receive what he did for you. You have to receive your pardon. You have to say, God, forgive me. I, I'm no longer going to live my own life. I'm going to let you live through me. I'm not going to receive a new start. I'm going to receive a new life. If you just got a new start, you mess up all over again. Jesus comes to live in you. Is there anyone here tonight you say, I'm not right with God? I'm not where I used to be, or so I've lost hope. I need to get my hope back. If that's you, raise your hand, anybody. Anybody. I see that hand. Anyone else? I see that hand. Anyone else say, I, I, I gotta get my hopes back up. I gotta get my I see that hand. Some of you today, it's just like God, God, God. How many of you can say you're talking to me? I've been living in my disappointment. I've been living. I've been living in regret. I want want to let go of that at the altar today. How many say that's me? I see that. How many of you today would say, I have a hope to see my healing manifested. I have a hope. Hope against hope you believe in hope. When the doctors say there is no hope, there's still hope. There's always hope, church. Always hope. If you're breathing, there's hope. And when you die, if you're born again, you got the blessed hope. Come on now. Everywhere from hope to hope, from faith to faith, from glory to glory. But if you want your hopes restored, you want to get yourself back in that place. Come on up real quick. Come on. Can I pray for you today? Come on. He's going to make you a prisoner of positive expectation. Some of you, honestly, it's going to be hard to be negative ever again. He's a good God all the time. All the time. He's so for you, it's ridiculous. We're going to get our hopes up. Why? Because you get your hopes up, all of a sudden your faith gets way up there. Just lift your hands up to heaven. Start thanking him. Thank him for the breakthrough. Some of you want to thank him, thank him, thank him, thank him, thank him, thank him. (laughs) He's restoring hope. If there's areas you've been disappointed, you don't have to tell me the disappointment, but whisper them to God and say, God, now I trust you. 
Now I trust you. I don't understand this, but now I trust you. I trust that you're going to work it together for good. I I trust that you're going to work, that God, this is going to work for me, not against me. Lord, I release that virtue right now, that healing power now. Not by our power, not by our might. It's by the Spirit of God. Watch out, girl. Mighty power of God. Those hopes are jumping once again. You're back and better than ever before. That's going to come in line with God's word. We release that anointing now in the name of Jesus. It's going to be your best season ever. Stir it back up. That's you. You're a champion. You're a champion. You know it's not by our power. It's not by our might. It's the Holy Ghost breathing all over you. God's restoring, restoring. You can sense that anointing all over you. That's all right. (laughs) Take another dose. It's good for you. It's good for you. It's good for you. He's restoring hope. He's restoring strength. Come on now. We're going to get our strut back. We're going to come on. He's restoring confidence in him. Our confidence, our hope is in God. Huh. That's the anointing of God. Not by our power, not by our might, but by the Spirit of God. Oh, get your hopes up, girl. You're going to soar. You're going to soar. You're going to be far above, far above, far above the best yet. I sense your expectation rising. (laughs) We about ready to have the display of the greatest power of God we've ever seen. This is our season now. Oh, we're dreaming big, dreaming big. Watch out, girl. You're dreaming big. Fresh fire all over you. God said, I promise that I'll perform it. That's the Somebody's digestive tract is being healed right now. I don't even think you're up front. You're probably sitting in your seat. But someone's digestive tract is what? God's. <laughs> I see a rotor rooter going on. <laughs> watch out, watch out, watch out. That joy's all over you now. Oh, amazing, amazing. There it is. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. God said, I'm going to show you great and mighty things you know not. Get your hopes out there. Dream with me. You're part of God's dream team. There it is. We're about ready to get unstuck. Watch out. Watch out. You know, God's going to restore hope in America. It's going to start in the church. We're going to be the most positive bunch there is. We're going to get contagious. There it is. <laughs> God's so wild about you, it's ridiculous. Touch, Lord. Touch. Touch that area now. There it is. <laughs> you might you as get ready for your breakthrough. Some of us, we're going to come into a season of suddenlies. Suddenly. I was in a service recently where a paraplegic got up and started running. That was a suddenly. 16 years in a chair, but suddenly, suddenly. 
God's going to begin to do some suddenlies. He's so wild about you, it's ridiculous. Get your hopes up. He's the glory and the lifter of your head. Strength is coming back. Oh, you know, God's going to give us the last laugh. Come on. Many of us, we've been through the fire, been through the flood, but we're coming to the wealthy place. Place of too much. I found out when you don't quit, huh? when you don't quit, God begins to bring you through to the other side. And you just gain your hopes back up there. You're believing. Come on. Huh. He said, I made you the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. I'm going to begin to stir a new level of faith on the inside of you. Watch what I'll do, declares God. Oh, many of us, this is our season. Don't look at what, you know, don't look on the outward. Look in the inside. you got super Jesus on the inside. He's so wild about you. And that's being broken right now. That anointing's all over you, girl. God says, I got a future. I got a hope all over you. He said, I'm going to begin to reveal myself in fresh ways to you. See, God believes in us when we can't believe in ourselves. And then he begins to convince us that he's right. You're a masterpiece. God's grace is going to begin to take over in Jesus' name. There it is. Don't beat on yourself anymore. Don't beat on yourself anymore. Don't beat on yourself anymore. (laughs) I'm so grateful Jesus took a whooping for us so we don't have to whoop on ourselves. There it is. That's the anointing of God. He's healing. He's healing. He's healing. He's healing the wounds. He's healing the brokenness. Come on now. The anointing heals the broken heart. A bruised reed, God doesn't crush. His gentleness makes him great. There's a fresh fire going right through you again. Right? You know, you know, you know, you know, you know who you are. Come on. So you're standing up big on the inside now. There's a new roar from the Lion of Judah on the inside. He said, the things I promised, just grab them. Take them by faith. Take them by force, the force of faith. The enemy's been trying to hold it back, but you're pressing in and you're going to get it all in Jesus' name. This is a new season. Watch what I'll do, declares God. (laughs) You know, we're about ready to see the greatest move ever. There's a deep calling in the deep. There's a deep that answers. There's the anointing of God all over you. Watch out. Your hopes are rising. There's a new explosion going on in the inside, a faith explosion. It's like, God, 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 uh, I'm not limiting you anymore. See, when we don't limit God, we don't limit ourselves. When we limit God, we limit ourselves. You know, but if we believe all things are possible and your believer's going off right now, come on now. You're about ready to step into that realm you've been believing for in Jesus' name. How many of you can touch it? How many of you can touch it? You know what I'm saying. You can touch it. Come on. You can touch it. There's a miracle on the way. You can touch it. God's restoring. You can touch it. God's anointing's all over you. You can touch it. Ah. There's a fresh touch all over you. Watch out. Dream big. Dream big. God's about ready to do 
the impossible. <laughs> What's impossible with man is easy to God. So, Lord, we just speak your power and your anointing now. And we declare your word is so, God. So we speak life and strength in the name of Jesus. And I, I, I speak, God, amazing vision in Jesus' name. If you guys can see it, you can have it. Come on. Your dreamer's going off again. You know, watch out. There are things he showed you years ago. The deal's still on. You know what I'm saying? That's that anointing all over you. You're back. You're back. You're back and better than ever. Come on now. One puts a thousand, two puts ten thousand. Watch out. You got people around you. Oh, watch out. Isn't that isn't that wonderful? That's what it's all about. How many of you get something today? How many of you get something today? Father, fill us with hope. Fill us with hope. Fill us with hope. Come on now. Fill us. Thank you, Pastor. Let's stand. Father, we thank you for the word that you've given us tonight through your servant. Lord, we thank you for the hope that has been instilled in every one of our hearts. We give you praise, honor, and glory in the name of Jesus.